this the this morning from 1 to 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole, con the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Pray before Andrew comes up. Father, thank you for the gift that it is um, to be here this morning. May coming to this building uh, not be a habit that we just do on a Sunday morning, but instead may we see it as the blessing that it is um, to meet here together um, as a church family, as brothers and sisters, to learn more about you and to worship you. I pray for Andrew as he comes up, that you'll bless him and you'll lead him through his teaching as we learn more about church leadership and deacons. Still our hearts and our minds this morning and open them to hear what you have to say to us through Andrew. I pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, should also say that uh, Ethan and Lauren are back from honeymoon, but they've been Mr. and Mrs. for a while, so, uh, but good to have you back as well. Um, just a wee heads up before we get into this, um, next week we're going to have a, a team from Foothill Church in Glendora, California joining us. Um, you, you might know this, Glendora, uh, Foothill are one of our supporting churches, um, their generosity, it makes this ministry here possible. Um, you might remember that there was a, a group of them were here for our launch Sunday uh, three and a half years ago, um, so it'll be good to have them back, so um, it'll be good to welcome old friends and, and meet new ones as well. Um, if you are new or visiting with us, we, we have been working our way through the book of Luke's gospel, um, but we're taking a break from that series for this week and next week just to focus on, on a different subject, and the, and the subject that we're looking at is, is that of deacons. Um, maybe that word is, is completely new to you, um, maybe you've heard the word, you don't know what it means. Maybe you've been part of a church that had deacons and it wasn't a good experience. Um, but but whatever, that is, whatever that word means for you, um, over the next two weeks, this week and next week, we just want to lay out a biblical case for having deacons in the church and, and, and explain not only what they do, um, uh, but who they are in terms of, of biblical qualifications and, and why God has kind of uh, given us this office within the church. But, but let me start by kind of answering the question, why now? Why are we talking about this now? And why is it important enough to, to take a break from our sermon series uh, to, to look at it? Well, if you're a, a, a covenant member of, of, of our church, you'll remember that our family meeting back at the, at the end of January, that we, we laid out a vision for this year um, that included developing a clear and, and hopefully biblical uh, leadership structure for this church plant. That's um, one of the 
the ways that we are establishing and growing as a church. Um, we are a, a Bible church. We believe that, that God is our highest authority, and we believe that He speaks most clearly to us through His Word. And so, and so everything we do is based on the Bible, including how we form and structure our leadership. And the first step of that vision for leadership that, that we laid out earlier in the year was having more than one elder, right? Uh, we, we see that this is one of the first things that, that, that church plants need to do, um, Paul says to Titus in, in Titus chapter 1, he says, I left you there, and he leaves him on the island of Crete, not a bad place to go and be a missionary, I suppose, um, and he says, I, I put you there so that you might appoint elders in every town. As churches are planted, uh, people are saved, and, and churches are planted, and, and then elders are appointed to lead and guide that church. That's the first step, and, and we need to have a biblical kind of eldership. Um, that's why in line with that vision for the year and in line with what the Bible teaches, we, we appointed Travis as an elder earlier on in the year. And, and then for us, the next step then we feel is, is working towards deacons to serve and lead also. Um, but before we get into the business of actually choosing and appointing deacons, we need to look at what the Bible says about them. Um, what is this office within the church? How does it function? Who should be deacons? These are all really important things to figure out. Uh, and so, of course, we look to the Bible. We, we want to say, Jesus, how do you want to lead us in this way? And what I would say is that we want to do this really carefully and thoughtfully. We want to ask God for wisdom and guidance. Remember that, that, that we are the church, right? And, and we are Christ's body. Uh, we are uh, his bride, that the church is so, so precious to Jesus. Uh, when, the, when the Apostle Paul is, is talking to the elders of the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20, he's, he tells the elders, he says, take care of the church of God, which he purchased, which he obtained, which he bought with his own blood. That's what we are. We are the, the bride of Christ that he has paid for, that he has obtained with his own blood. And so, we want to be as careful as possible not to spoil or defile or divide or wreck his church. That's why we're taking time out to prioritize this subject of deacons in, in, our, in our main gatherings. Um, and, and we're going to follow up uh, the sermons from this week and next week with a, with a family meeting later on in the year where we can discuss this in more detail and how uh, you can ask questions and, and, and we can talk about how this will work in our church and how we'll implement this. Now, that probably feels a good place to, to pause for a second and just ask for God's help as, as we get into this passage and begin this journey. So let me just pray for us and ask for the Lord's help, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, and then we'll see what the Bible says in Acts chapter 6. Father, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you speak to us clearly through it. We thank you that it's alive, that's living and active. Um, Father, thank you that you haven't left us in the dark about how to be your family. Uh, that you've given us instructions, that you're leading us and guiding us. Holy Spirit, uh, enlighten these words from Acts 6 to our hearts this morning. May we see your clear vision for how your family should function, uh, for the glory of Jesus, uh, and so that this story of this student coming to faith would, wouldn't be the last one, that we'd see more of that. We'd see more churches planted, not just in West Belfast, but all over the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as we, as we look at this subject of, of deacons in the Bible, we find that there's, there's four main scriptures in the New Testament that speak specifically about this um, subject. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Romans 16, verse 1, 
1 Timothy 3, verses 3 to 18, and then this one in Acts chapter 6. Um, we're we're going to look at those, those first three next week because they deal more with the specifics of, how to, uh, of, of, of deacons. Um, but today we're going to focus on Acts chapter 6. This is a passage where we see the very first deacons being chosen and appointed uh, in the very first church. Um, and, and, and what we see here, it kind of gives us a, a prototype of, of how deacons should be. So have you ever seen the, the movie Iron Man? Um, he's trapped in, I was going to say Roger Stark, Tony Stark. Tony Stark is, uh, he's trapped in the cave by the terrace and he, and he builds this kind of prototype Iron Man suit and it helps him escape. Now that, that Iron Man suit, it, it's, it's the thing that, that has, it's the basis of all the features of all his other kind of uh, Iron Man suits after that. And this is what we see here in Acts chapter 6. It's a prototype diaconate. Diaconate is, is just the word for a group of deacons, for the group of deacons in the church. So for elders, we have eldership. For deacons, we have diaconate. And when we look at this prototype in Acts chapter 6, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the need for deacons, the work of deacons, and the character of deacons. And as we look at each of these three things, we're going to build up a definition of, of deacons that we can carry forward into next Sunday, and not just carry forward into next Sunday, but carry forward into our whole process of choosing and appointing deacons in the church. Uh, this may seem uh, very detailed or, or very mundane, but it's anything but. This is about, uh, this is about following God's plan for His church and, and, and joining in the amazing work that He's doing here in Belfast. So let's start with this first one the need for deacons. Have a look with me again at verses 1 to 2. I'll just read it again. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, so loads of people are, are coming to know Jesus and getting saved and following him, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the, the Greek Christians, arose against the Hebrews, that's the Jewish Christians, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12, that's the 12 apostles, Summoned the full number of the disciples, that's the church, they had a family meeting. Um, oh, I've lost my, oh, flipped over a page. Um, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. So what's going on here? Well, this is the very first church and it's in Jerusalem. So after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, as Jesus had instructed them, uh, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And you might remember that on that day, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he preached to a huge group, a huge crowd of people from all over the place. And some of them, or they all heard it in their own language. And on that day, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 people were out of the church. And so you have this very first church, a handful of disciples, maybe 100 or 150 or so, they reckon, grew to over 3,000 in one go. And so here we are a wee while later. We don't really know how much later, but the church is pretty established at this point. They're doing churchy things. They're dedicated to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they're praying together. They're taking communion together. They're caring for those in need. They're sharing the gospel. They're, they're doing things that we recognize as church. But as the church has grown, a problem has come up. And it's a very co common problem in all young church plants. You see, the apostles who were the elders of that church, they're trying to oversee and carry out all the ministries in the church 
and they're being stretched too thin. The church had a, a daily distribution of food to those in need. And in that society, widows were some of the most economically vulnerable people. As a woman, if your husband died, you would have nobody to support you, nobody to financially provide for you, um, and so you, you would often fall into poverty and need. And the church were doing what the church should do, what God has commanded them to do. They were feeding the widows in a daily distribution of food. And it seems that the elders, the apostles in this case, were prioritizing their time to make sure that these widows didn't go without. They were making sure that those in need were being cared for. And that meant that they couldn't put as much time into the preaching of the word. It's what we see in verse 2. They call a family meeting together and they say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Now, we need to be really careful here not to think that they're saying that, that preaching the word is more important than, than serving the widows. In fact, what we see here is that feeding the widows was so important that the, the, the elders, the apostles, had taken time away from, from the, the ministry of the word so that they could actually care for these women in need. And the point to note here is that what is happening isn't right. Both these things need to happen in the church. The word should be preached and the needy should be cared for. We can't afford to prioritize one over the other. The church can't afford to neglect either of these things. In a healthy church, there will be a healthy devotion to the teaching of the Bible and to the practical, physical needs. But what's happening in Acts chapter 2 and what always happens in these situations is that as they try to spread themselves over both, neither of them are being done very well. They were giving up some of the preaching, and that wasn't happening as much as they needed it to, and still some of the widows weren't being cared for very well. And so to make sure that all the ministry of the church is carried out, they decide to appoint deacons to carry out the practical service and support their ministry. So this is the first part of our definition of deacons. It's on the screen. Deacons support the elders in the work of the church. Deacons support the elders in the work of the church. What we see here is that deacons are appointed where and when there is need. In response to the increased needs of the church, the, the apostles appoint these deacons to support them in their ministry. Deacons take the, the practical work on so that the elders can focus on their tasks, which ensures that, that none of the church's vital ministry gets neglected. And maybe you've noticed, like I did reading this passage, that we are in a similar situation as this church plant in Jerusalem. Now, we do not have apostles leading our church. I am not an apostle. Um, but I think of what's going on in Jerusalem really resonates with where we are. We are a young church. We are growing. And the practical needs of the church are growing too. And it's not good or right or even healthy and it's not the way God has intended it that elders try to carry out all the ministries of the church alone. I, I will tell you this, honestly, me and Travis are woefully underqualified to do everything that needs done in our church. We are finite human beings. God has given us limits for a reason. In His wisdom, He has ordained that His church would need various people serving in various capacities to carry out His mission. 
And so we need deacons to be raised up and oversee and lead others in serving in all the practical ways within our church. Here's the point. The point that we see in Acts chapter 2 is that elders can't and shouldn't do everything. When elders try to do everything, lots of stuff gets missed. That's my life, right? Picking up balls I've dropped. Elders can't be the only ones to lead the church. Now, clearly, what we see, not just in this passage, but throughout the New Testament, as this office of deacons is kind of established, is that deacons' leadership is different from that of elders, right? Deacons' leadership is not the authoritative oversight over the whole congregation. Deacons lead and oversee subsections of the church. But it's by leading through serving in this way that the deacons support the elders. And the ministry of the church is carried out. Uh, one, uh, one pastor, H.B. Charles, put it brilliantly when he said, deacons lead by serving and elders serve by leading. These are two different roles that, that God has gifted his church with for our benefit and for his glory. Deacons lead by serving and elders serve by leading. And sometimes what happens is that as a church starts to get bigger, we can, we can kind of begin to think of it as an organization, maybe like a, um, a business or something like that. And we need to be really careful not to import that kind of mindset into the church because we are primarily not an organization. We are primarily a family. We are brothers and sisters. We are God's children. And just as every healthy family has various roles within it, so mom, dad, brother, sister, granny, uncle, whatever, so too does the church. We have different roles within our church family. So elders shouldn't try to do everything because they can't do everything. We need to use the gifts of, of biblical leadership that God has so graciously offered to us. This is why we are now doing this study. Because according to this biblical model, uh, we, we appoint deacons to support the elders when there is need. And, and I think that we can all agree that we are, have grown to the stage, praise God, that, that there is need. A good guide for when it's time to appoint deacons um, is where and when there is uh, regular and repeated need. So any area of regular and repeated need. That's what we see here in Acts chapter 6. The regular and repeated need was the, the daily distribution of food. But it doesn't just have to be distributing food. It can be any area of practical service within the church, as we're going to see in a few minutes. But from this passage, the first thing that, that we see is that the need for deacons is clear, that deacons support the elders. That's the need for deacons. The next thing we see in Acts chapter 6 is the work of deacons. Now, we saw that the role of deacons is to support the elders in the ministry of the church, but what exactly does that look like? Well, according to this prototype here in Acts chapter 6, it looks like two different things. The first one is that deacons serve the physical needs. Deacons serve the physical needs. The problem in Acts chapter 6 was that at least some of the widows um, weren't being cared for the way they should be. And, and caring for the vulnerable and needy is a vital part of church life. That's a vital part of, of, of the work of the church. And it's not saying that all churches should have a widow's ministry, right? If we had so many widows that there was a, a regular and repeated need, then we would have a, a widow's ministry. Um, but the point is that deacons were put in place to make sure that this very practical 
and very important need was being met. And every church will have various ministries according to its need. And this is a good, good place to, to, to stop and, and point out the meaning of the word deacon. We didn't just pull this out of the air. It actually comes directly from the Bible. Deacon just means servant. It's one, of the, it's one of the words the Bible uses for servant. It's literally the Greek word in this passage for servant. So, that, so they were serving the widows by the daily distribution of food. That word distribution is the word deacon. They were deaconing the widows. We also see that in verse 2 that the elders reckon that it involves serving or deaconing the tables. And we see, interestingly as well, in verse 4, that the apostles were serving too. They were ministering the Word, literally deaconing the Word. They were serving people the Word of God. That's part of the role of elders. Deacons serve the tangible and physical needs, and the elders serve this, the Word. And in this way, deacons become the lead servants of the church. They lead by serving. You see, the, the central mission of the church is making disciples, isn't it? Right? I don't think, would any of us disagree with that? Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so anything that takes away from this task that God has given His church needs to be addressed. And this is what was happening in Acts chapter 6 here. This task of making disciples was being interrupted because of the physical needs that weren't being met. And so throughout history, the church has used this principle. As the church grows, like ours is, praise the Lord, if we don't have lead servants to meet uh, the, the practical and tangible needs, the elders are going to be pulled away from their primary tasks of, of prayer and ministry of the Word to fill in the gaps. So the first part of the role of deacons is, is seeing, recognizing, and meeting physical needs. This isn't contained or confined to feeding the hungry like we see here in Acts 6, but it certainly shouldn't be less than that. But it can include a whole range of practical and tangible needs and service within the church. It can be caring for facilities. It can be leading the ministry of specific groups of, 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 of people like it was here in Acts 6. It might be serving a youth group or an old people's ministry. Someday we're going to have a church that is full of old people, right? And all those jokes about Joe will be long gone. Imagine we needed an old people's ministry. How cool would that be? It could be handling the, the, the church's finances. The work of deacons is leading through serving the practical needs of the church in support of the elders. But there's another part of the role of deacons that is mentioned here in Acts chapter 6, and it's really important. See, deacons not just serve uh, the needs of the church, but deacons protect the unity of the church. Deacons protect the unity of the church. And this is vital. See, the problem here in Acts chapter 6 wasn't just that the physical needs of the widows were going unmet. There was a deeper underlying problem. Notice in verse 1, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint... Okay, that's our first hint that something's not quite right. A complaint by the, the Greeks arose against the, the Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. See, even in its earliest days, the church has been diverse. This has always been God's plan. Create a people for himself of every tribe and tongue and nation. 
And here you have Hebrew Christians and Greek Christians together, one body, united in Christ, right? That's why we can talk confidently about elections in our part of the world, even though it's so divided, because regardless of what your ethnicity is or, or what you think about political issues or your national identity, we are united in Christ and God has put, put us together. But this, because of sin, allows room for or, or can give opportunity to tension. And that's what was happening here in Acts chapter 6, was there was a bit of tension brewing. It seems like the, the Jewish widows were being cared for and the Greek ones weren't. And this ethnic and racial diversity has the potential here to cause division. And so part of the reason that the deacons are appointed by the apostles here is to protect the unity of the church. And just as these seven first deacons were appointed in Jerusalem to safeguard the unity of the church, so deacons in the modern church, in our church, have the task of being men and women who protect the unity of the church. Remember what I said at the start. The church is the people of Jesus that he has bought with his own blood. He, he died to provide us with a unity that wasn't previously there. Unity of the church is so precious to him because when the church is divided, his body is torn apart. This is why Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can almost hear how forcefully he's saying this. He's urging them, in the name of Jesus, all, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And good deacons will strive to live this verse out with their brothers and sisters. Deacons will be the ones who stop gossip, who never pass on rumors. They will be the ones who are humble and gentle. Deacons will be flexible. They will, they will stand up for truth without being argumentative or contentious. Deacons won't cut you down with their judgment. They'll build you up with their encouragement. Deacons will promote and protect the unity of Christ's body because they know it is precious to him and treasured by him. In short, we can simply say that deacons love the church and practically work to preserve its unity. Mark Dever covers this, I think, with just so much practical wisdom um, in something he wrote about deacons. And he says this, he says, you don't want people serving as deacons who are unhappy with your church. <laughs> the deacons should never be the ones who complain the loudest or jar the church with actions or attitudes. If you're a complainer, you're not going to be a deacon. Quite the opposite, he says. You don't want to nominate deacons who don't recognize the importance of the ministry of preaching and teaching, but people who are anxious to protect it. More broadly, you want the most supportive people in the church to serve as the deacons. Deacons are champions of the ministry of the church. These are the kinds of people we want to be deacons in our church. People who, who serve selflessly and joyfully. People who promote unity and actively work to protect it. Aren't these the, the kinds of people that, we, that you want leading you, right? Aren't these the kind of people we want serving in these leadership roles in our church? People who protect our unity. People who are joyful and encouraging. That's the kind of people I want. 
The deacons serve the physical needs of the church and protect the unity of the church. Two vital things. And if we add these two together with our, our, our the first point, we have the basis of a really good definition of deacons in the church. And here it is. Deacons serve the physical needs and protect the unity of the church in support of the elders. Deacons serve the physical needs and protect the unity of the church in support of the elders. That's kind of how God seems to have ordained this office of deacons to be. But we're not quite there yet. <laughs> There's one more element from this passage that I want to focus on briefly. And that's the character of deacons. We're going to look at this in more detail next week as we look at the qualifications of deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3 because by that stage, Paul is, uh, the, the church has developed and, and, and Paul gives very clear instructions on the kinds of people that should be deacons. But here in Acts chapter 6, we get a really good introduction to the kinds of people that should be deacons in this kind of prototype. Look at verse 3 again with me. Therefore, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Now, now just a quick note on this before I get into the, the, the character of deacons. It says here in Acts chapter 6 that the church picked seven men to serve as their deacons. But, but I'm not going to go into this right now. We will next week. But, but we're going to see from other scriptures that, that both men and women can serve the church as deacons and can lead in this way. And we're going to come back to that next week. It just happens here in, in, in Acts chapter 6 that uh, for whatever reason that, that the church picks out seven men to be deacons. But we'll see in other places that women are serving in that office and in that role as well. But whether women or men, in this verse we see that, that deacons should have a good reputation. They should be full of the Holy Spirit and be full of wisdom. And as I said, we're not going to spend loads of time covering this this morning. Time's ticking on. Um, but it's wor worth stopping at for, for, for a few minutes. And the first thing that we see is that these first deacons had a good reputation. This means that they were well known within the church. Um, they, were, they were liked and appreciated. Um, they weren't involved in conflicts. There's a sense in the church family that these people are respected. If you ask around, people would say, oh yes, that guy's great. People actually bear witness to their reasonableness and their faithfulness to the church and their love for Jesus. They are in good standing with the church already. And if you think about the context here, this is important because there was already conflict brewing, wasn't there? Um, there was division happening in the church, and so the deacons had to be able to approach both sides of that divide. So the first thing, deacons will have a good reputation in the church family. Secondly, we see that deacons will be full of the Holy Spirit. This means, as a baseline, this means that they're Christians, right? They, they believed in Jesus and received His Spirit. But sometimes when we think of being full of the Holy Spirit, we think of a bucket, don't we? We think of a, a, a bucket that can either be empty or you can have a wee bit in it or it can be half full or it can be, if you're a really good Christian, your bucket can be full of the Holy Spirit. But, but I think that's a misleading way to think of being full of the Spirit. You see, it's not so much of a bucket as it is like sails on a ship. If you can imagine an old sailing ship, when the wind blows, what happens to the sails? The sails become full of the wind and, the, and they bow out like this. You know like you draw a boat when you're a kid? Well, I mean, that's how I did it. You, you, the seals bow out like this. And what happens when the seals are full? When the seals are full like this, the ship is driven along by the wind. 
But if the sails are empty and just hanging limp, the ship is not moving. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is like having full sails. Our lives are being driven along by the wind of the Spirit. And deacons will be people whose seals are full. Their lives are being guided and fueled by the Holy Spirit, propelling them forward. Their lives will be directed and led by God's Spirit at work in them. And this is vital because we are God's church, and so we must be led by His Spirit at work in us. That's why we see that these leaders should be full of the Spirit. Thirdly then, deacons will be full of wisdom. Now, what I want to say is that the way Luke writes this and, and the way he constructs this sentence in verse 3, it tells us that this wisdom is an outworking of being filled with the Spirit. It means that their lives are directed by God's Spirit, and so they will be spiritually sensitive. They're able to make good, excuse me, good judgments. Again, in a context of conflict in Acts chapter 6 in Jerusalem, spirit-given wisdom was vital. And so it is for every church. Deacons will be people who are led by the Holy Spirit in a way that shows up in their lives as wisdom. They will be able to make good judgments and discernments about the needs of the church. They will be able to work out the best way forward in certain situations. They can deal with difficult people with grace and gentleness and sensitivity. So deacons, if we put those things together, deacons will be well thought of people whose lives are guided by the Spirit of God in a way that shows itself as wisdom. That's who deacons will be. But remember I mentioned we weren't quite finished with our definition of deacons? Well, it's time to put the finishing touches to that definition. I want to come back um, to that now by looking at what happened here in Acts chapter 6. What was the result of the church appointing these godly and gifted deacons to serve the church in this way? Remember our definition so far? Deacons serve the physical needs and protect the unity of the church in support of the elders. Look, let's look at what happened here, because I think if we look closely at what happened, we'll see the real value of good deacons in a church. Now, remember that the apostles had appointed the deacons to lead by serving the practical needs of the church, so that they could focus uninterrupted on their primary tasks, which were prayer and ministry of the Word. The elders have these primary tasks of praying for the church and serving the Word of God to the church. This is what God has called elders to. And the deacons came alongside to support them in this role by taking the practical needs off their plate. And when they do this, look at what happens in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now what this is saying, what Luke is saying here, is that the word of God spread, the gospel was spreading more and more, and its power was at work. We see this because the number of, number of disciples multiplied greatly. Loads of people were getting saved and becoming followers of Jesus. And notice this wasn't just a few people that followed Jesus. It wasn't like, ah, oh, a couple of new believers were added. It says they were greatly multiplied. Even Jewish priests were turning to Jesus. See, when the church is, is functioning the way God has created us to, this is the end result. The gospel spread and people get saved. This is the result here of the faithful deacons being appointed to the church and serving in the way God created them to. 
When the church is served by the leadership of godly elders and led by the service of godly deacons, the result is that the church can be far more effective in her mission. Let me say that again. When the church is served by the leadership of godly elders and led by the service of godly deacons, the result is that it can be far more effective in her mission. Let's add this to our final part to our definition. Here's what we've arrived at. Deacons serve the physical needs and protect the unity of the church in support of the elders for the advancement of God's kingdom. That's what it's about. That's what, that's what all this is about. He's not saying organize this like a business so you have a good structure. It's all about the advancement of God's kingdom. Deacons, like all members of the church, play their role in the advancement of God's kingdom through the mission of the church. Ken already said this this morning. We are God's primary way of, of advancing His kingdom across the world. And listen, the success of verse 7 of Acts chapter 6 wasn't a foregone conclusion, right? In verse 1, the needs weren't being met and division was brewing. And verse 7 could just have easily have read, and the word of God stopped spreading and the disciples were divided. That's what could have happened here. But Luke intentionally puts verse 7 at the end to show us that this can be the result of a church functioning well. This is what happens when a church functions well. It is through the faithful work of deacons in seeing the needs, protecting the unity, and supporting the elders that the gospel is spread and people are added to God's kingdom. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're here for? Matt Smithhurst in his wee book in Deacon says, the joy of verse 7 rarely comes without the work of verses 2 to 6. So, so please don't think that being a deacon is some kind of lesser position. It's really, really not. This is about various people with various callings and giftings and roles serving in the places God has put them for His glory and the advancement of His church. Habakkuk 2 says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's a, that's a prophecy that is still coming true. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So, so um, there are still people in the world who don't know about the, they don't have the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, but God is working that out. And, and, and the work of deacons is profoundly important in making that happen. God has chosen His church to function in this way. It's not that the work of elders is purely spiritual and the work of deacons is purely physical. These two intermingle. And God has shown us here through this passage that the work of deacons has huge spiritual implications. We even see some of the... I mean, we don't know all these guys that are chosen here, but we certainly know Stephen, don't we? We know if you just read the rest of Acts chapter 6 when you go home, Stephen gets martyred. He gets killed for preaching the word of God. He wasn't just, I mean, it's not like you're saying, well, if you're a deacon, you can't ever, you know, share the gospel. No. Oh, Philip, we know about, what do we know about Philip? Philip, like, uh, led this Ethiopian official to Jesus, baptized him by the side of the road. Look, there's some water. Can I get baptized? He's like, yes, you can. Love that. This is what good deacons do. There is an inseparable link between the service of deacons and the spread of the gospel. And through the faithful service of deacons, practical needs are met and people are added to God's kingdom. 
This is an office in the church that needs to be encouraged and celebrated. And as we start making steps towards appointing deacons, uh, that's what we want to do. And finally, as we do this, as we, as we start this, this work uh, in, in developing these leadership structures in our church, we want to do what we always do. We want to look to Jesus, right? He's the, he's the founder and the finisher of our faith. And, and, and Jesus is not just a great example of elder, right? He's our shepherd. He's also our example and our picture of deacon. Let's know what Jesus says about himself in Matthew chapter 20. He says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you may have guessed it already, but that word served here is the same word. It's deacon. He, he didn't, Jesus didn't come to have other people deacon him. He came to deacon us. He didn't come as some kind of like uh, dictator who uh, wants to sit on a throne and, and have servants and you know, have people feed him grapes and big fans and all that kind of stuff. No, he came to serve us. And some of you in this room will be deacons. But we all need to consider this picture of Jesus. As we follow our deacon, we become like him. So as he serves, we will serve. And how has he most served us? How has Jesus most deaconed us? Look at the end of this verse. He gave his life as a ransom for many. That's you, that's me. Jesus gave his life for us. His life of service, his life of deaconing, culminated in giving his life for you by dying on a cross, taking the punishment for sin that you deserved so that instead of dying, you could live. Instead of punishment, you could be free. And so as we consider this new part of our journey as a church plant, let's continually look to Jesus. That's what we always do, right? This is all, every sermon, we come back to Jesus. We're going to turn to him. We're going to look to him. Let's continually look to Jesus who serves us by giving up his life for our ransom. And if we go anywhere that the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us, we'll fail. If we do anything that is not following the example of Jesus, we'll fail. So we look to Jesus always, always, always. We have nothing without him. He is our greatest servant. He leads us by serving us. And so we follow his example. Let our lives and our church be shaped always by his ultimate service for us. His death on the cross. So hopefully that's given us a good introduction into deacons. Why we follow Jesus in this. And then next week we're going to get into some of the, de the more details of uh, the characteristics and qualifications of deacons. But um, James is going to come and lead us in worship again. Let me pray and then lead us to the Lord's table. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are working in this room in, our, in the hearts of your people. Uh, God, how amazing that you have caused to make us the home of your spirit. You live in us. And so, Lord, we do ask that you would um, really guide us and lead us as a church as we uh, pursue these next steps that we feel are godly and right. Lord, give us a right reading of your scripture. Uh, 
Lead us by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we see uh, through the, the, the work of, of godly and biblical leadership structures, we see uh, miraculous things happen where we see people coming to know you. We see people's needs being met. We see mostly Jesus being glorified. And we pray these things in his mighty name. Amen.